Kia ora and welcome to the Female Career Podcast. My name's Anna Johnston and I work as a leadership and career coach for women. I'm looking forward to sharing with you an inspiring collection of career stories of a diverse range of women of Aotearoa New Zealand. I hope that by listening to these stories, you'll feel inspired in your own career. If you do enjoy the story, please head along to our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we have lots more stories of wonderful Kiwi women and their careers. We'd also love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you have all the episodes at your fingertips. And please do tell your friends and family about it too. For now, though, I hope you enjoy listening to this career story. So I'm really looking forward to speaking today with Joe Blair. Joe hails from Ototahi Christchurch and has had a varied and purposeful career. She worked for a number of years for the Christchurch City Council, bringing to life incredible events such as the World Buskers Festival. In 2013, she branched out as an entrepreneur and set up her own business, social change agency Brown Bread. The company was one of New Zealand's first accredited B Corps, meaning it's committed to balancing purpose with profit. In other words, just the good stuff. Jo has helped build giving communities for the Christchurch Art Gallery, Maya Health Foundation and the Arts Foundation, as well as worked with companies like Kathmandu, Trade Aid and Kiwi Bank in their socially driven initiatives. Throughout her career, there's been a strong thread of building communities around great causes. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about Jo's career journey today. Kia ora Jo and thank you very much for joining me. Yora, it's so nice to be here. So I'll start off with a question that I usually like to kick off these conversations with. And I'd like you to think back to when you were a kid or a teenager and you were thinking, oh, what, what shall I do or be with in my life? What, what were your career aspirations when you were younger? Oh, my God. So funny. I was really, well, I had a kind of dalliance with being an astronaut or a pilot. And yes. um, when I was really young, <laughs> I moved, I had this moment, you know that um, film Working Girl with Melanie? Yes. She I do, yes, the big shoulder pads. Yep. Yep. And the, um, the pantyhose with the sneaker walking across yes. um, New York Bridge. So she really got me going. I thought I had this moment when I was at primary school, I was like, I'm going to be in business. And then that kind of left me. But I'd never mm. forget it, actually. I remember sitting on the mat with a teacher. I don't, mm. I don't remember what age it must have been when it came out. But so that was a moment. And then when I was in sort of uh, secondary school and then went into university it was that time when we were still you had a career like it wasn't we weren't quite so into contracting or flexi you know working from mm. generation x and I got into the whole do a BCom because I don't really know what I'm going to do and then thought I should really just take a, a strong career and somewhere like you know did all the grad program interviews and all that kind of stuff so I kind of mm. said I'd go into the corporate world but there were many pivots <laughs> following <laughs> 17 Tell me a bit about the first few years of your career then. Okay. So, yeah, so I did, so after doing a master's in business administration, I left the world and we were in a recession. I think it was during 1996 or something. Mm. And, I, and it took me a while to get a job and I was mortified. Just killed my, mm. all my pride. But my, my first job was, you know, it was like five months since leaving university. It wasn't exactly, you know, disastrous, but thought I was amazing at the time. Why wasn't I hired in a cinch? Mm. Um, started off at TVNZ um, and mm. I was administrator for the TV2 management team. So the, the channel manager and all the, you know, the sales, trade, brand, commercial and programming. Mm-hmm. So it was, really, it was a really good, interesting kind of foray into media and TV and I was across everything. 
but was not actually that into TV. So I found that I've always, my every job I've taken, I've had to be deeply passionate about it or I, or I just, mm. I'm a very honest person, so I can't, um, I wear my heart on my sleeve, so I can't kind of fake it. But then mm-hmm. I started knocking on, I thought, I'm just not into TV. And I was sent home with series of Shorten Streets to watch and things and to, to comment. Mm-hmm. And I just was far too social and thought my life was way- <laughs> And now it would be a dream job. But yes. So then I knocked on Montana Wines at the time. They were Montana Wines, Pernod Ricard's store. And because wine was a real um, passion and I was a bit of a Francophile, really into mm. So I started there. After I did six months at TV and and then moved into a sales role in Auckland with Bernard Ricard and cruised the streets selling wine, which was oh my goodness, and a great way to be a young, you know, upwardly mobile twenty-something-year-old. Um, and look, yeah, um, yeah, it was great. And what did you kind of, I guess, love about some of those early years of the of, of working? And what were some of maybe the challenges that you came across? I actually liked, so in, in this, I was there for about two and a half years, I think, in the sales team in Auckland. And I loved, it was mostly men. I think I was the only woman in the, I was selling retail. So I quite liked mm. that. Like, I quite liked working. It was quite interesting because now I only work with women. So love that, mm. love the chase. Lo- I love sales. Absolutely love it. I love making some like and not, people don't uh, New Zealanders aren't that into selling stuff I don't reckon but I just mm. so much out of it um I sort of trade on energy so yeah used to just love my, doing my call cycles and how many calls can I fit in a day and stuff just you know challenging myself and making loving it when things sold through and um just learn all my basics there really yeah, fantastic. I've spent a few years myself in sales and there is absolutely that kind of energy and adrenaline and, and buzz that, that goes with it, where you also at the same time are sort of hoping to make things better too. So, yeah, great. And you, and you do definitely learn about resilience too when you have a bad, you know, those lulls. So it's, it's a good um, resilience. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. There are, are, I remember being quite a roller coaster as well in terms of ups ups and downs, good days and not so good days. And tell me, how did you then end up back in, back in Christchurch and at the council? Well, then I followed love to Melbourne. Mm. So I followed mm. a, a, almost a 10-year relationship I was in with him for my whole 20s to Melbourne and was determined to get into marketing, which is what my degree was in. So I was still yes. slightly kind of, you know, slightly entitled and didn't quite know what the world's about yet. And I had all these great sales, wine, Australian wine company sales job offers, but turned them down for, a, I ended up, it was the dot-com era. So I ended up mm. helping start up a website for a haberdashery kind of company that wanted to do everything online and customize, mm-hmm. everything customized and a little kind of come to you in a pack. So that was kind of fascinating and a good, you know, insight into that and then moved into festivals in Melbourne which is really where my career probably started but doing contracts mm. so once you kind of get on the festival circuit you just kind of if you're lucky you can slot them in back to back so Melbourne Fashion Festival mm. and Melbourne Film Festival did um, marketing and sort of sponsor promotions leverage and then that was for almost three years and then moved to France for a year just to see the world and then um, came back eventually and got into, this is where, you know, I was slightly lost soul, um, actually did a chef's course and worked in mm. a white tie catering for six months because I thought I needed to be creative. Work yes. Kitchen is not a place of um, glamour or <laughs> much creativity. You're actually just churning mm. out food, especially catering. And then finally moved back into kind of what I do, which was Banks Peninsula Tourism and Economic Development. So set up a lot of the 
things like the help set up the farmers market and a lot of the community initiatives that are in Middleton and Akaroa Finch Festival and kind of got into events, economic development and tourism stuff, brand stuff over there. Then moved into Christchurch City Council running all their events and festivals and funding strategy as well as producing by the end festival around uh, the World Buskers Festival and a festival around Antarctica, which was incredible because there was a lot of sort of longer term enduring benefits coming off the back of that. And we spoke just before we actually kind of came and started recording here today about the fact that, you know, some careers are quite straight and quite linear and some careers a little bit more windy. <laughs> and I like, I like the fact that yours had a bit of, a bit of windiness in it uh, along the way. Yeah, and I, and I used to be so mortified because all my friends had these sort of, you know, the working at Frontier or somewhere, you know, like I kind of felt like I just wanted one of yes. those jobs. But in the end, now I feel they're kind of envious that I was, I, made, I had enough kind of experience about a start a business with, the, you know, because I'd done so many little things, I think. It's mm. one, one thing. So it's, it's interesting what you wish for. And, and I think it is. And- a slightly more flexible, agile working space before it became a thing. Mm. Yeah. And also you can see how those, all those parts, whether it was even starting off working in media or whether it was uh, the setting up the website or whether it was working in sales, actually you, you're using now and in, the, in, in your current career a kind of a culmination of a lot of those skills. So all those... Those twists and turns along the way have all some in some ways come together now. Yeah, exactly. And then and then you kind of know what to look for when you're hiring a team of specialists because I'm just the, the great generalist. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Yeah. And you talked a bit about the event side, and you know, tell me what was it that you loved about that job? I liked the so I love the side of developing events with purpose. So I think that's probably where a lot of our you know current. Mm. came from and and around sort of helping change perception of Christchurch was really the job um, with events so we had the Mayor Bob Parker there at the time and we I was involved in the Ellerslie coming to town which was a, a big um, mission of his Ellerslie Flower Show and helping yes. rebrand the city with some you know unique things like Antarctica Street Festival kind of always had that kind of slightly carny thing happening in Christchurch and certainly you know the yes. big circus school that used to be here before quakes and so we sort of had the strategy around quintessentially Christchurch things, which was really strong. Obviously, mm. we kind of helped <laughs> destabilise a bit of that. It was just sort of getting going when um, that hit. But we, yeah, there was an Ice Fest was this amazing event where the Ameri- all the American diplomats would come over and something that couldn't end a lot of science and creativity around Antarctica. You know, that was the only place, one of the only places in the world where you could celebrate that kind of thing. So a branding exercise, I think, is what I like about events. Actually developing something um, that can help give for a long term. And we've, we have a little part to play in North Canterbury Wine and Food Festival now mm. as one of the clients. And they, it's tiny, but it has so much power on social media nationally. Like it's incredible mm. that one event once a year has done so much for the region throughout the year. Mm, yeah. Absolutely, and it was. I went along this year. It was a great. It was a fantastic event, and it didn't. It wasn't. Didn't feel tidy. It felt very busy this year. It was. A, it was a wonderful celebration. Yeah, and and the antithesis of we, you know, we're always trying to reposition things to um, be a pleasant and slight, a, a casually sophisticated experience rather than um, just bringing in a whole lot of money, ticket money, and you know, um, we're not there for the masses. It's more of a unique kind of niche markets we work with. Mm, great. And then you, after, I guess, kind of working 
effectively in the public sector at the city council. You've then branched out into setting up your own business. How did that come about? Well, it was actually because we we started delivering Ice Fest and World Buskers Festival for the Christchurch City Council and for two years after the earthquakes, but we also did a whole lot of awesome stuff like putting in inflatable domes and makeshift venues into Hackley Park just to keep venues going mm. for years. And mm. Incredible experience, but really intense, like sort of running four jobs. So mm. in my family built an amazing restaurant up at their vineyard, Black Estate, and my twins mm. always had this dream of starting a restaurant together. There goes the wine, you know, moment in the career. And she was like, come and help us open it. And I was like, it just was sort of about time to make a change. So sort of yes. off knowing. But I think the biggest thing was, is all this cultural and social entrepreneurship happening in Christchurch. Like it was the most amazing time post-earthquakes. And when you mm. got the two-year mark, there was a slight feeling of, oh, I think we, we can't rely on government and local government to do this. We actually have to do it ourselves. And mm. I the skills that I'd sort of amassed over the time has been around facilitating that and, and making stuff happen through partnerships. So kind of stepped out knowing that I could hopefully have some impact in making things happen in the city that, where I didn't have to be a bureaucrat to do it. I could actually bring in mm. more philanthropic dollars to build some movements. So jumped off, went and worked as a waitress for six months. There goes my wiggly wiggly career again at Black Estate Hub and set it up, which is now a thriving restaurant. And I got kept getting called by the um, director of Christchurch Art Gallery from seriously the day I left saying, please, can you help us buy Michael Padakofi's bronze bull on the piano that had captured the hearts and minds of Cantabrians who had sort of mm. seen the from the Venice Biennale. And, you know, we've got to buy it. It's got to stay here. It's over a million dollars. How do we do this when people are still peeing in buckets and the roads are still closed? And so yeah. that was our first job was working out how to bring that money in and collectively do it as a city. And that sort of still to this day is the project that really made us, made Brown Bread. Mm. We simply rally communities around good stuff. And I think if the, if the idea is strong enough or impossible enough, and at the right and relevant enough, we can bring in in many different ways the community that can back it and make it happen. So that mm. and we got there, and we and and we do that through events and through kind of sales, I guess, and sponsorships and communications and digital engagement. So it's all, as you said, that whole trajectory kind of lined up to what we do now. Mm. And I know one thing that's been quite big for you within that is how do you combine purpose. And profit, because brown bread is still a business, but it's a very purposeful business. So how do you combine or reconcile those two? Oh, my God. It's such People ask us this all the time, like, how do you make any money kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And it's it's been interesting, and it has changed. So we're, all, we're eight years old in November, so it's changed over time. Mm-hmm. And the bigger, you know, scale and all that stuff, we're only, we've, we've got as large as 17 people, and we're now at 11, I think. So we, mm-hmm. and we sometimes use contractors. So getting that right number and helps with the profit, just getting to the sweet spot. Um, but we work we we work with a cause or an idea. We often sort of do consulting work to start with, just classic strategic kind of planning or looking at something and is this feasible? A lot of feasibility testing, mm. research and um, strategic work. And then if we like the kind of their jib and they like ours and we think there's a there's an opportunity, then we'll look at a sort of a business case for a long term. So we get these quite nice long-term service contracts. And that's mm. what we're working with Arts Foundation at the moment. We did the same with Crash Art Gallery for seven years. So we've just left them, which mm. they're always with us, but 
we've moved into a national position with the Arts the Arts Foundation, and we've just taken on um, the Kiwi Bank New Zealand of the Year in the same sort of model. So mm. they're not. We kind of get offered the opportunity to to create a business unit and make a business case and make it happen over time. And and I think mm. making, creating movements or rallying communities, you need that time. We haven't failed yet. We've always got in the dosh to pay ourselves and pay the and feel the cause, which is the objective. But it's quite risky. It's quite it's quite scary because we take a punt and they and the client takes a punt on us. Mm. So there's a lot of faith and trust that and and energy and belief to make it all happen. It's quite crazy that we do it. And then it's also because mm. you know, for example, the Arts Foundation is very philanthropic, so we're effectively, you know, the Tate Modern in London has a um, development department that brings all the money in for them and, you know, enable them to do their stuff. Where actually yes. they actually, con- the Arts Foundation and Christchurch Art Gallery contracted us to do that, which is un- kind of unheard of, but it came mm. out of the earthquake when there was not much stability. So the gallery asked us to do it in that form because it was less risky for them. And then we just had to prove ourselves and you get tested every year on your contract KPIs and and you, you know, just hope your strategy's strong and is going to work. So mm-hmm. yeah, so we kind of had these long term contracts, not huge margins on the charity stuff, and then on the other side of the coin, we try and work for a few um, commercial businesses to be able to, pay, you know, charge a proper margin. And mm. but you know, it's not like <laughs> we're not we go through periods depending on that balance. <laughs> At the moment, we're more on the non profit side, but we're very. Yes. Feel very lucky actually that we've through COVID have managed to hold on to those contracts. So it's kind of interesting times, and who knows what the yes. market's going to do over the next year. Yes, who, who knows? Because it is a tough, challenging economic time for businesses and charities, and anyone that sits somewhere in between those those two. And 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 it's probably going to be like that for for a little while to come, even. And tell me then, if, am I right in thinking that you also hold a couple of directorships? Um, I, I have done. I am currently clean, I believe. I became a mother too, ah. so I kind of, you know, just checked before I wrecked, as I say. Um, had yes. a on that, but I've been on the, they've all been all non-profit, so I was on the New Zealand Association of Events board twice. Not mm. so relevant now because we don't do so many events, which has been amazing. And they're doing an amazing job at the moment trying to navigate what's happening with the events industry in New Zealand with COVID. Girls' mm. school board I was on. And I think that was it. I'm just having a blank. Yeah, but most, <laughs> of, our report, most of our report to boards, all our, all our workers usually reporting to a board. And mm. I've had some interesting thoughts about governance, actually, because... I'm a real doer. Like I think, you know, mm. make stuff happen. And it's, you know, women on boards and there was a real movement. But I actually think for me, having had a, you know, quick look at it, it's more I'd rather be in the driving seat making it happen. And then see, mm. what, you know, maybe when I've got a few more years under my belt. Mm, mm, you're yeah. right. I mean, the the director role is a is a tricky one, particularly if you've come from I said that very doing role, but then running your own business where you've been very hands on to be able to step up and have that helicopter view is is quite a different perspective, and it doesn't it doesn't play to everybody's drinks. Yeah, and I also think interest wise, I was I was I'm such an impatient person. I found it quite challenging. So it'll be it'll be yeah. if I've come if I'll come back to it or not. But I wouldn't say I will for a good ten years. Like I've got more stuff I want to do in the <laughs> on the ground rather than above. <laughs> mm, mm. 
And you have not only the fact that you've got your son, but also still the sort of the your your business, broader interests and family business. You know, how how do you find some sort of balance between work and, and broader life? It's, um, well, I I don't really like that much balance. <laughs> like I, I find that makes me more stressed if I'm trying to do you know, but live the perfect life. So I would yes. rather um, just I'm a workaholic, and we've actually created balance in our family because Alistair is full-time dad. He does um, mm. work with Brown Bread. He's a co-director of Brown Bread. He does, you know, some of the more HR financial stuff a day a week. And he also works for an artist a week. So he has, you know, stimulus, but he does also, he's the, manages the home. So I can work like a crazy person and I can travel. And so it works really well. We kind of decided on it when we started the business about sort of a month, uh, a year in, he chucked in his job. Mm. And I think, this is more satisfying for both of us. Uh, I was speaking to somebody else recently on an issue about one of the most important things for a woman's career is, in fact, to choose a partner who's supportive of her career. So it sounds like uh, you you did well on that front. Oh, I am so lucky. It's the envy of many. I get yes. amazing cooked meals, and but also someone who's really involved in the business that I can sound, you know, we can work together on some of the bigger issues. So, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's, it's cool. It's good. And as you kind of look back at your career to date, what are some of your proudest career moments? Ooh, wow. I would say a lot of that work around post-earthquake was a real moment. I was involved in this huge concert called Band Together, which was brought together in a month's time after the September earthquake in Christchurch. Mm. So, you know, we didn't, <laughs> we'd had the big one. Yes. Lol. And had all these incredible, every New Zealand musician band came to Hagley Park and played a big free concert organised by the amazing Paul Ellis, mm. um, who used to work for Sony in New York. And so I was sort of his his person on the ground here and made that happen. So that was really rewarding. And then all the, after February, all the very agile, spontaneous things that popped up that we were able to make happen around the Rugby World Cup that, you know, we had lots of what do I call them? Fan zones, but no games mm. and you know, trying to create a hub and the buzz in the, a city that wasn't a city. And that's, I, guess, I guess where we, that's where my strengths kind of popped out was that agility and being able to respond quickly and that word pivot that is so overused at the moment. Mm. So working in adversity is probably where I'm more comfortable. Mm. <laughs> so lockdown a dream <laughs> for brown bread. <laughs> We, we um, changed our entire arts foundation strategy um, and have gone completely digital and are just so excited where it's heading. It's amazing what tension and um, chaos can create. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, those moments are. And I think with Christchurch Art Gallery and, and raising, we raised about eight and a half million for mm-hmm. five great work for their gallery. And it's just, it was just done in a way that I don't think anyone has seen before. And that collective giving is so important to us. You know, everyone gets to have a go. If we had a one-year-old give and put their name on the board, mm. you know, as well as 95-year-old sending in little checks for $5. And for me, that is mm. everything, is everyone getting a chance to give and be part of something rather than just the elite. Mm. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful highlights. And I think for me, you know, having been away from Christchurch for a long time, for me, it's wonderful to kind of see some of those, whether it's the enduring events still coming through, but also the, the some of the new ways that Christchurch has grown and developed over time and the art galleries and the works it has is, well, a, a wonderful legacy to have been part of from your site. So tell me, Joey, that, you know, that you've already 
done and done all sorts of interesting, exciting things in your career so far. Where do you see your career heading in the future? That's interesting. Well, I think the, the great thing about owning your own business is you can, you know, evolve yeah. where the energy and need goes. So in Brown Breads, I guess we just do the good stuff. That was our first tagline that has kind of keeps, we've tried to shrug it, but it keeps coming back. Yes. We have a matrix of, of we go, we put projects through or clients through when they um, approach us of, you know, is this the good stuff for us? And it's around backing um, transformational ideas mm. that look really hard and no one else will do. Mm. <laughs> we usually think we will because if it's hard enough, it means you're leading and really changing something. We work with, with incredible leaders who have those that courage to do something big and new. And so as long as those sort of principles are in there, we will do them. And, and at the moment, the Arts Foundation is massive for us because we see the opportunity for New Zealand to embrace creativity. Mm. And it is already. It's just not probably valuing it, you know, the, in terms of government funding and even philanthropy and commercial business funding is definitely very light in terms of backing the arts. And so how can we transform New Zealand by bringing that up on the agenda, you know, to the same levels as sport mm. participation and things? And I think that's a real focus for us for the next 10 years, I'd say. Mm. Um, and, and not easy because we're not, you know, the arts is not something on the top, you know, top of every everyone's agenda, but they actually are surrounded by it all the time. Mm. We just don't talk about it. Mm. Um, and we're, we're working, I think 95% of our business now is national, so we don't actually do much in Christchurch. And COVID's been amazing for that with the whole Zoom culture. So I feel like we can, we're more justified to keep living here mm. and working in a really, region rather than having to move mm-hmm. some staff up there so yeah I think for, for for us it's around responding to the the very imminent need for climate change and social purpose businesses to engage with mm. genuine causes and genuine people in the community who are doing great things but not necessarily for status or for celebrity you know like we're really into championing those extraordinary New Zealanders doing great things mm. and, and and bringing partners in to help fuel their paths. I think mm. um, so. We have gender theories called broadly and hardly speaking, where that's that whole essence is there around just getting people to bring their voices to the table. And so there's more diverse voices rather than the classic overachievers always speaking. Yes, <laughs> that's where we can fly. And yeah, the accessibility is a real a real big thing. We, we've just. Done a, the company's just done a um, course, an initial course in the Te Titere o Watangi to sort of ground ourselves in that. We're really aware of being a group of white, mostly women in living in Otatahi Christchurch. Like, we you know, it's a bit of a complex for us. Mm. So just learning and building more of a holistic view on how New Zealand can make change and lead under, you know, the amazing stuff that our Prime Minister's doing is, is really inspiring, to be honest. And how, how can we... We've done some work in Australia before as well, so mm. we're pretty open to doing things elsewhere and just bringing that collective energy to projects. If that sounds like a very rambling answer. It, um, I wouldn't say it was rambling. It sounded very passionate. And you know when you said it towards the start of the interview about actually you want to get involved in things that you're really passionate about and you could hear that passion coming through for the wide range of New Zealanders that maybe whose voices aren't heard or, you know, even that pretty lofty ambition of which is great I love a bit of loftiness but about about yeah. arts being seen put on as the same sort of pinnacle of sport which you know for New Zealand would be amazing you know but there's there's the passion and the purpose that kind of that, that really clearly came through there. 
And it's funny because you know how people sort of say, oh, how big do you want to get yeah. and all that jazz? We've never really thought about that because for us, I think if you have that clarity of purpose, then then the form of your business just forms mm. that where it needs. And I know that's a little, you know, probably ethereal. And obviously, you know, we've got some models of how to expand and we've got a kind of a good contractor model now we've actually finally kind of landed on, mm. which is good. I full that expansion. So we don't actually get too big. We keep a core full-time staff and then we can move and adjust if need mm. be. Mm. And I think you sort of also said also working with organisations that you felt were a really good alignment. So that that you probably wouldn't ever want to be huge because actually there's that, that would make bring you too much into the mainstream. Yeah, and you wouldn't be able to be so agile possibly. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And Joe, what... Yeah, we're coming to the end of the conversation now. I'd love to hear what advice would you have for, for other women for their careers? Oh my gosh, I just love it when someone would ask me that with, when I had such a complex of my, you know, wiggly woggly <laughs> um, tw- 20. But I think that that's probably, that's what I know is that every step and everything that you delve into that you love, just keep going mm. in that direction because it will take you somewhere. And if you have to, if it doesn't feel good, move and go somewhere else and that, I, luckily in this day and age, that short-term, you know, tr- quick moving, flexible career is more mm. accepted. At the time, it was a bit challenging my identity, but now I think it's just all turns into something. And it's, I mean, yeah, the the quick learning is, is and the quick resilience building and knowing about yourself through that process is being really fortuitous in mm. hindsight. And also you learn, because you meet so many different people by doing kind of contract work or continuing to move you you're not you're very um you haven't just become set in one way with a kind of one corporate you know way Mm. of doing things I think I'm not actually because I've never really I work a lot with corporates who are you know partnering Mm. with us on projects but not Mm. but yeah so I think I think that's it just go with what yeah I'm a heart-driven person but also um still got to pay the bills to make sure you get a bit tenacious and go and get what, what you need you know as well and what you want and that balance of risk and planning versus doing the impossible and having, you know, passion-driven projects is is, is okay. Mm, lovely advice, some, some wise words. Joe, thank you so much for taking the time. That was, I loved hearing more about your career and how you've, said, I like the, the wiggly-woggly way, but how it's, you know, ended up in something that you're hugely passionate about. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you. It's a pleasure. See you soon. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Female Career Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more inspiring stories of women of Aotearoa and their careers, subscribe to the Female Career Podcast via Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you like to listen so that you never miss a story. You can also take a look at our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we feature the stories. And if you subscribe to our mailing list, you can have career advice and inspiration delivered directly to your inbox. Thanks for your support, and I look forward to you joining us again soon.